0: We are looking over some of these definitions that relate to interpretation that we see in scripture. I apologize, my eye is really itching of a sudden. Well, we have several of them that we've gone through up to this point, and we left off uh, with the last one, uh, dia hermenuo, hermenudo. So you almost hear that uh, word hermeneutics right in the, the word, right? Uh, but this dia preposition right on the front of it. Um, and so we'll continue on through those and uh, we only have a few more and then we're going to get into looking at uh, the purpose for interpretation. And so I remember uh, four, well, more than four years ago, but whenever I came back and started teaching in this uh, uh, Bible Institute, the straws were some of the early students. So full circle here. right? <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll uh, get into that and we'll get started again at the top of uh, page six. Well, let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and we'll open up. Um, Sister Lynn, would you like to open us in a word of prayer? Uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to learn more about your word. We uh, appreciate the uh, important use of preparation, and we just pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to learn. In Christ's name we pray. pray. Amen. Amen. All right. And so Dia Hermenudo, again, uh, translated most of the time in scripture uh, to interpret, interpret. But remember, uh, with that dia preposition on the front of it, it gives it kind of that uh, idea of one thing to another, focusing in on the, the uh, interpretation from one person's perspective to another. Uh, but we see this use of uh, speaking in tongues and uh, it's translated, let one interpret. But go with me over to First Corinthians, chapter 14. And verse 7, 27, <laughs> and we see it in action. I caught myself that time. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 27. And so uh, I'm misremembering if it was here that we were talking about the gifts of speaking in tongues or sermons I get too many different things going on but I think it was here last Monday Uh, we looked at uh, some of these words occurring in this um, use of the gift of tongues right and so it's important as you're speaking in tongues that you have one that understands (laughs) that tongues are actually being spoken in so if you had A person here uh, that's able to speak in English, speaking to someone that speaks in Spanish, you might know that a conversation's going on there, but you don't know exactly what's being said, right? Unless you have someone to interpret what's being stated there. So how would you know, (laughs) right, what's going on there? Uh, So this is very important as you look at this gift. Uh, Verse 24, he says, but if all uh, prophesy and there come in one who believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is uh, in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath the doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. And so it's not important, the use of your gift and you being able to show it off to someone else. Right. Uh, This works the same in our gifts today. It's not about you being at the front and center of what's going on. It's about people being edified by what you're teaching. You have too many pastor teachers that are in the pulpit to make a show out of themselves. Right. It's all about the spectacle and the show that they can put on rather than the word of God and letting that speak for itself. Um, verse 27 he says if any man speak in uh, an unknown tongue let let it be by two or at the most three that by course and let one interpret and so someone's going to be bringing uh, a, a clear understanding as to what's going on in this this conversation here uh, next one we see is uh hermanu i and so looking at Another verbal form here and translated interpret or may interpret. But back in verse 13 of the same chapter. And again, interesting, a lot of these are occurring within the context of this speaking in tongues. Pick it up in verse 11. He says, therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall Uh, Be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel uh, to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. And so the idea there, again, of understanding what's being conferred uh, from one person to another. And I don't want to uh, spend too much time on these. I want to make sure we, we get through them pretty quickly here tonight and get into the rest of our um, uh, course material. Uh, but we'll just g- kind of go through them and make sure that you guys see these are used in, in Scripture. Uh, but also, dia hermoneuo, again, from a, a form of that in the participial form. We see it used over in Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. And here translated uh, by interpretation. And pick it up in verse 32. It says there, and it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters. He came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, uh, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, "Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise uh, and make thy bed." And he arose uh, immediately. Am I missing the verse there? Oh, it's 36. Why oh, did I keep going? going back too far. Verse 35, and all uh, that dwelt at Lydda uh, and Sharon saw him. And turned to the Lord. Now, there was at Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which being interpreted is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Uh, And so you go on there and she ends up uh, uh, passing away, I believe, in the context. But as you look at this, her name uh, interpreted right directly from one language to another. uh, And you're able to understand uh, what her name means uh, by that. And so in the Hebrew, her name was Tabitha and the Greek uh, Dorcas. Uh, We also see uh, this word used over in first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30 of the ability again to use tongues here. They are uh, not all interpreting, are they? And so he or uh, first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30. And here uh, in this chapter, you get a real good understanding of what the body of Christ looks like and how it's constructed, how we came to be placed into the body of Christ. And then uh, toward the end of the chapter, he weaves this back into this argument and this discussion over how spiritual gifts should be working. Right. And so if the body of Christ is perfectly constructed together, it stands to reason that that which comes out of the individual members of the body of Christ should be uh, working together. Now, but pick it up in verse 24. He says, "For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no <laughs> schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another." Now, interesting, he says, "There should be no schism there, right?" Because at the beginning of the book, he's talking about the fact that within this Corinthian church, what are there? schisms right he's saying one i am of paul i'm of apollos i'm of uh, peter and so all these different groups right and there's not supposed to be this within the church verse 26 and whether one uh, member suffer all members suffer with it or uh, one member be uh, honored all members rejoice with it now you are the body of Christ and really there that the is not there in the uh, original and so you could really say there you are a quality of the body of Christ right the local church is not the body of Christ it's a representation of the whole which is the body of Christ uh and members in particular and God has set some in the church first apostles secondarily prophets third teachers uh, after the uh, that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, uh, diversities of tongues, are all prophets. Are all or excuse me? Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? So right, you see that gift of tongues working, and then you see someone that's able to interpret uh, the speaking of tongues. Verse thirty-one, he said. <laughs> excuse me, goes on to say, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Uh, And so we broke down, I think, last week again there. uh, Why does he make the 13th chapter speaking of love? Because they didn't know how to utilize their gifts in love, right? So it's not about me. (laughs) It's not about you looking at me and saying what a good job I'm doing so that you can get your approval before men. It's about you giving back what God gave you in order to grow other people and he's trying to bang that through their head. And so, if you're doing that in love, you're using your spiritual gift in love. You're going to do it to the edification of other believers. But here, uh, in the context that interpreting of, of tongues uh, should be utilized in that way. Court. Go ahead. Schism thing. Would that be in today's interpret or today's clickish? Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So you're talking about uh, different parts, um, basically. Of them drawing a blank on what the greek word is there it's been a while since i looked at it but it basically means to segregate into these individual little groups yep absolutely Uh, over in luke chapter 24 and verse 27 uh, we see here uh, this word used and it's translated expounded and it has to do with the old testament scriptures now uh, i think in our uh, sermon yesterday we came across this word Uh, but it has that idea remember they are on the road to Emmaus and they're walking with the Lord they have no idea that they're walking with him right and then he expounds on uh, the scriptures Uh, pick it up and pick it up in verse uh, 24 and it says uh, he's they're explaining to him here remember the Lord uh, asked him uh, what is this that you're talking about here right what's going on and they're saying, hey, where have you been? Have you not heard of this Jesus of Nazareth that's uh, been crucified and everything pertaining to that? And so in verse 24, it says, and certain of them uh, which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But we, they saw him not. Uh, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So there's a key term there so we're relating to interpreting. There's word that has been spoken and something in need of being interpreted. Verse 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory and because, uh, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And so he goes all the way through right back to the Old Testament and expounds to them uh, what's going on uh, as far as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 28, we see uh, this translated an interpreter. And let's not go there because we hit, hit that one pretty hard. Uh, but it's just, again, of this ability to understand uh, tongues due to the interpreting of another. Uh, we also have deus hermenudos, uh, which means hard to be uttered or hard to be interpreted, hard to be understood. Uh, go with me over to Hebrews chapter 5, and we look at our poor group here. And I say poor uh, loosely again. uh in these times, if you weren't living out uh, how you're supposed to, you kind of get a bad reputation in Scripture. And so these Hebrew saints... Uh, At a point in time, you go back into the book, right? And they were uh, overcoming and conquering uh, spiritual circumstances that were adverse. But here uh, they are not doing it. And so uh, he's uh, on the verge of calling them carnal uh, in the context. But he says in verse 10, call uh, of God or called of God. Go back a little bit. In verse eight, he says, though he were a son, speaking of the Lord, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priests uh, after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. And so, right, it's not that it's hard for him to say it, right? He can say it very easily. It would be hard for them to understand or interpret what he's saying. Why? because of their spiritual condition. (laughs) They're dull of hearing. In verse uh, 12, he says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, uh, this word for ought is a word for obligation due to what you've been provided. Uh, You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them which are of full age, even who by reason of use uh, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so what is the inference here? They're not at a place where they can do that, right? Spiritually, they're dull of hearing. And so even if uh, Paul, the author of Hebrews, (laughs) were to tell them, you see my bias there, uh, were to tell them, what he wanted to tell them concerning Melchizedek it wouldn't have done any good because in their spiritual condition they couldn't uh, take it. We also see uh, this word uh which is used uh, in a couple of places. Over in Acts 13, uh, it again has that idea of by uh, interpretation. Uh, and here uh, with the limus of, of his name, a the sorcerer. So go back with me there. Acts chapter 13 and verse 8. And pick it up at verse 4. And speaking of uh, Saul and Barnabas here, he says, So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit departed unto Seleucia, uh, from thence to Cyprus, or sailed to Cyprus, and when they were at uh, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called uh, for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Alimus, the sorcerer, for uh, so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy uh, from the faith. And so you see here this name Alimus uh, is an in interpretation. It doesn't say in which uh, language there, but um, an, interpre- an interpretive name uh, using that context and context. Uh, This Alimus is actually an Aramaic uh, name, uh, and so sorcerer being uh, the Magi or one that's using uh, magic or uh, the mysterious arts, as it were. And so you see that there. Uh, And then over in uh, several places, and we won't go to all of these since we're in Acts, just jump over to Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. Uh, We see this being interpreted using a participial form. Acts chapter 4 and verse 6, 36. Pick it up in verse 32. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said uh, any of them that they ought to, of the things they, uh, which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with, uh, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord. And a great grace was upon them all. Verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or how, uh, or houses sold them and uh, bought the prices of the things which were sold. Did I say 36? Yeah, I keep doing that. Uh, Verse 35, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, uh, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which being interpreted is the son of Consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So you see here uh, Barnabas, Uh, Having that name, it's being interpreted the son uh, of consolation. uh, And we see that one here. So that gives you just a flavor about how some of these words for hermeneutics are used in scripture. Right. And it gives you a little bit of an idea as we're going to scripture and interpreting because we saw it there several times. Right. You saw Jesus interpreting what happened in the Old Testament to make those people better understand uh, that he was walking with you saw interpreters of tongues interpreting the languages communicated so those people around them could better understand what was being stated. It's a, an interpretation mechanism. Right. And so as you're reading through scripture, this was not written originally in English. Right. And so one thing we have to take into account is we got a language barrier to <laughs> overcome. Right. Uh, we're relying upon someone else's interpretation when you read through this Bible in English. Uh, And so that's the importance of uh, interpreting it yourself as it comes to the languages. Now, I will say uh, probably a good 60-so percent of the Bible is interpreted interpreted perfectly fine, right? But it's those ones that uh, you miss out on. Or it's the deeper flavor that you get by not understanding the languages. If you go through the one I always like to cite is uh, Romans chapter 4. And they have the same word for reckon, legizamai, uh, counted, deemed. It's translated four or five different times in that same chapter. And so you would think being a, a person that reads, right? Are these different words that are being interpreted here? Why are they using these different words? Uh, and so language, again, is very important. Uh, but let's look at the purpose a little bit deep, deeper at the purpose uh, for hermeneutics. And we see uh, in Scripture over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 that uh, observation of truth from Scripture can only come through thorough study of the Word. Uh, and so if we're going to thoroughly uh, study the Word, we're certainly going to want to understand what it is that it says. Uh, and so in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15... And so, remember here in the context, Paul is taking two epistles to Timothy to uh, give him encouragement, right? In the uh, light of people who may uh, be disagreeing with him, partially because he's a young guy, right? And you don't know what you're talking about, young man. Uh, I'm going to tell you what Scripture says a little bit better. I'm assuming that that last statement, <laughs> but uh, when you look at it, he's giving him encouragement that I've given you what you need. Uh, to be able to give these believers what they need. And so uh, he leans on that here. Uh, Pick it up in verse 12. It says, For uh, the which cause I also suffer uh, these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard from me. Uh, and in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that thing or good thing, which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit, which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phy- phygellus and harmogenes. Uh, the Lord give mercy to the house unto the house of Arnusiphorus for uh, he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. In the wrong. I'm in 2 Timothy. (laughs) Timothy. Oh, I'm in chapter 1. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It wouldn't be a time if I didn't do it. (laughs) I caught myself the first two times, but I couldn't catch myself that time. Okay, verse uh, 14 or or 13, excuse me. He says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. On the contrary, but uh, shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And so he goes on to, to cite the instances uh, of which that ha- has happened. Uh, but here we see uh, this opportunity uh, in interpreting Scripture correctly uh, that's available for the believer and the purpose of why we do this. Uh, and he says here in this context to be diligent. This word study is not really uh, study in the Greek. It's uh, as the way we think it is to be diligent, to take every opportunity. Uh, this word for, for diligence In my interpretation, there's an inner sense of urgency to accomplish a task uh, to the external or due to the external gravity of the situation. And so as you think about how grave scripture is, right, how big of a responsibility we as believers have uh, to live out a life that's glorifying and well-pleasing to God. We saw that word for uh, uh, an obligation right over there in, in Hebrews chapter five. He told them at the time you ought to be teachers. It's an obligation that they have due to what's been provided to them to be teachers. Uh, They are in need that one teach them. Uh, We have an obligation as ones that study the Bible and not just us that are are teaching. It's everyone that studies the Bible, that you should be diligent, that you should be urgent. This is a a matter of grave sincerity that you should be embracing uh, to Show yourself approved. And how are you going to do that without being able to properly interpret what's in Scripture? And so we see that here. Um, this word for sputami, uh meaning diligence, can be found in a couple other places. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a flavor of that word and its usage. But go with me over to Ephesians chapter four and verse three. And there uh, it's required to keep the unity of the spirit. And pick it up in verse one. Chapter three. Chapter four. four. Mm-hmm. Did, what did I say? You said chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> and so in uh, chapter four, pick it up in verse one. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation of wherewith you were called. These are very important words here. He says, walk worthy. This word for worthy is in balance, right? Uh, You see those scales that are sitting outside of a a courtroom. And so they are scales that should be in balance, right? And so as 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 it relates to justice, uh, when you're walking worthy, your walk is in balance with where you're supposed to be walking as a believer. And so you see that here. And that word for vocation is just of the calling by which you were called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit by the bond of peace. And so that word endeavoring, not necessarily endeavoring, it's being diligent, right? Taking every opportunity that's available to you to keep the bond of peace. And how are you going to do that? By the Holy Spirit. And so. Uh, or excuse me, the unity of the spirit by the bond of peace. And so as you're living out this peace, uh, you see that uh, available to the believer. Also, uh, over in Hebrews chapter four and verse 11, we see it's required uh, to enter into the rest of God in the present. And so uh, in the context, we see uh, these Hebrews uh, believers uh, being told here the differences between what the uh, saints in the Old Testament have and what they have uh, now. They were looking for rest in the Old Testament, right? We've been given rest in Christ. And so he's saying uh, here is only up to you to live in that rest, right? It's a matter of are you going to do it? Are you going to rest from your labor? Or are you going to keep trying to do it yourself? Uh, verse uh, 10 of chapter four, he says, for he uh, that is he that is entered into his rest He also has ceased from his own works, as God did from His. Let us therefore, uh, let us labor. Excuse me. Therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Uh, And we go on there, but this idea of laboring there is not labor. It's let us be diligent. Let us take every opportunity that's available to us. Uh, let us be urgent in the matter of entering into the rest of God. And so as you're going back over to Second Timothy, uh, chapter two and verse 15, when he says uh, study to show yourself approved, he's saying, be diligent. Take every opportunity available to you. Be urgent to show yourself approved. Now, this idea of uh, showing yourself just has the idea of a uh, presenting um, and you guys don't have this in your notes, I added it kind of late, so it's, it's mine, not yours, but to place oneself before or on, alongside of another for inspection. It reminds me of when we were in the military, right? Well, we, you guys weren't in the military, but I was. And so they would call us to attention, right? We've got on our dress blues or our, our BDUs, any of these uniforms, and they would come and look over your uniform, right? and they're looking head to toe. You have just a little cotton swab there on your uniform. They come and pick it off and right in your face. I don't know what they did for you guys, Joy, but they would say demerit, right? That's a, a mark down for you because you're not paying attention to your uniform. You might have little strings hanging off. They call them bungee cords, right? And so if you didn't clip those strings to your uniform before they came to inspect it, that's another demerit and it's not gonna be good for you, right? So they are probably a little rougher in the Marines than they were in the Air Force. But uh, for us, that that was how they handled these things. And so inspection, right? They're looking you up and down. They're looking in your area to make sure there's no defects in your whole area from which you live, right? Your bed's tucked in nice and tight like it's supposed to be. No dust on the top of your locker. Inspection, right? And they're standing right alongside of you as they're doing it. And so as you're Relating that to this, study to show yourself approved before man. No, (laughs) we don't care what we look like to men. Show yourself approved to God. And it's with a mind that, hey, in any moment he could come back. Right. And how is how am I going to look when he comes back? Right. He's inspecting me. He's looking. We don't see him here right now in our presence, but he's watching. And it's not a fear. We want to be. Pleasing to him. Right. And so study this idea of being uh, diligent to show yourself, give this uh, inspection that you are approved. Um, And then this word for approval. uh, We've seen it many times in scripture, so I didn't put many notes down for that one. But it just has the idea of testing something for approval. Right. If you were to go and pan gold. Right. Like they did back in the old days. You dig up all of that stuff, a lot of it is dirt or rocks and different kinds of things. But they, they kind of panned it out until they got the gold, right? And they wanted to make sure that that was the real deal. And so it has that idea of testing something for approval. Um, am I in the first, yeah, in the first <laughs> chapter again? How did I had to do that twice? Um, and so rightly, uh, at the end of the, the verse there, dividing the word of truth and so this idea of rightly dividing just comes <coughs> straight over from a, a word you probably know and didn't even think about it, but orthotics, right, <laughs> getting things straight or in line. Uh, and so this has the idea here of cutting straight scripture, putting things where they're supposed to be. Uh, I will relate it to discussion we had earlier today of, as we uh, listen to a lot of these teachers that come in the chapel And they have all of these different places that they're coming from with Scripture, right? They're applying things in the Old Testament (laughs) right, as they should be practiced here today. And a lot of people have an issue with that. Some people don't. Some people like that. But rightly dividing the word of truth. Are we putting things where they're supposed to go? Are we looking at Scripture and what's in it and saying, does this relate to me? Is this something for me to live out? We're not even going to go to Revelation, right? We pick on the Old Testament, but a lot of people go to Revelation and get carried away, right? With all of these things relate to us. This is going on right now. Well, let's make sure that that aligns with everything else that you see in Scripture. And so uh, you have to be very careful there. But this idea of studying or being diligent uh, to show yourself approved. Why? Because you're rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, And that can be done, again, I can't emphasize it enough, by anybody. When you guys are reading through scripture, hopefully you're taking consideration to what's being said in this context and who is it being said to. Does this relate to me? Everything of of the Bible is written for you, not all necessarily written to you. And so as you're using a good hermeneutic, that's going to make sense for you. Uh, The requirements Of one that is um, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, Uh, you're going to be studying the words and grammar, or or we could put it together, the syntax of scripture and how all of these things fit together in its original language, right? And so, why do we emphasize the Greek? Why do we emphasize Hebrew? Why do we go out to Oregon and put ourselves through torture to learn (laughs) these languages, right? That wouldn't have gotten done it for me. (laughs) He could have gone, but I wouldn't have gone. Uh, But as you're looking at these these words in Scripture, you look back in the Old Testament, and I'm going to tell you, learning Hebrew was infinitely harder than learning Greek for me because there's nothing to compare it to. You got these little three-word cores of each word, and what do you compare that to in english there's nothing you you're having to come up with different ways to to get this stuff organized in your mind and to uh related so we came up with little weird things uh to help us remember but at the end of it is a deeper understanding of what was actually said for yourself right so that you can go forth and teach other people not because someone else said this over here right and i'm just taking or piggybacking off of what they said, you should be able to do a fairly good job of understanding scripture uh, yourself. And so grammar is very important in that uh, rightly dividing the word of truth uh, But by understanding scripture in its historical context. And so as we're looking at scripture, there's a lot of things written in scripture that were done then, not necessarily done now. And you take that into consideration as you're reading through Uh, Those contexts. There's one instance here uh, over in First Corinthians, chapter 11. Go with me over there uh, in verse 12. First Corinthians, chapter 11 and verse 12. And this idea of, of covering uh, here that's brought up, he says in verse three, uh, but I wouldn't uh, have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head for that is even uh, that is even all. Uh, 1, as if she were shaven. Uh, 6, or verse 6, For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Uh, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let he, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, forasmuch as he is the image of, and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man, for the man is not uh, out, of or out from the woman, But the woman is out from the man. Neither is the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man for this cause out the woman to have power over on her head because of the angels. Uh, And so it goes uh, on in more detail there. But you see something working historically here that's important to the context, right? are the men walking around with long hair today somehow wrong well some of you might say yes (laughs) there's something wrong with them right or the women that walk around i've seen women that go around with bald heads today is there something wrong with them for having bald heads well historically there was a little issue where women with bald heads were seen as prostitutes (laughs) and that kind of thing so that kind of plays into your understanding of what's being read here and the problem of what's going on in the context and so uh, again, historical uh, context, very important. Uh, what historic, uh, h- historically significant things uh, should be known in Scripture? I'll give you an example. Uh, what impact does Rome, being an occupation of Israel, have as you're reading through the Gospels? has a big impact, right? There's other things that you can see in Scripture that were uh, at work during the time that these things are writing uh, and provide significant historical uh, uh, data to what you're understanding there. Uh, and by understanding that each writer within the larger uh, context, understanding each writer within the larger context of scripture, none of these guys that were writing were just writing something for themselves, right? This was all meant, even though they didn't know it at the time, but they came to know it after. Peter talks about it over in Second uh, Peter, I believe, when he's talking about Paul's writings being hard to understand. Right, He saw that, hey, it's not just about what I'm writing. This is all fitting together into a bigger picture uh, of what God is doing. <clears throat> and so we see that there. It's actually First uh, Peter. Um, <clears throat> and then by understanding each writer, or excuse me, by understanding each writer uh, by immediate context of Scripture. Uh, and so when you're reading any epistle that's written, You're going to understand that immediate context. But there's also the chapter. Right. And expanding out there, expanding out and reading the whole book and understanding what is he trying to say here? One of the ones we often cite as being really well laid out is the book of Romans. Right. And you understand that theme of righteousness that carries all the way through back to chapter one and is expanded on all the way throughout the book. But there's individual things in each one of those chapters that are pertinent to that overriding theme, right? And that's going to be the same with any writing that's done. That's what we uh, do to understand what message someone is trying to get across. Uh, Communication of the meaning of scriptures, uh, we want to look at too. And so go with me over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 2. And so here Paul is again giving exhortation to Timothy, and he says in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead it is appearing. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort all uh, with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts shall uh, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables but watch thou in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of, of thy ministry, uh, for I am now ready ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And so here he is, uh, as a pastor referenced yesterday, there's sharpening up the blade, right, <laughs> about to execute Paul. And what is he doing? He's giving knowledge to Timothy to carry on after him. And what is this knowledge based around? Being ready to preach the word, herald it with authority. When it's popular, when it's unpopular. And I think this relates to us where we are today, right? Not very popular to just teach the word straight from scripture or to not do what I was talking about earlier and coming up with these creative ways to draw attention to yourself, right? How many people in, in these different pulpits, even the believers that are out in the crowds, can stand on the word of God by itself and be happy with that, right? can be satisfied or gratified with that. For most people, they're going to need more people, right? We need people, people, people. It needs to be big. Uh, can you uh, be happy with just letting the word say what it says? And so uh, here, uh, uh, the time will come uh, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but even in spite of that, what is uh, Paul telling Timothy, preach the word. Uh, this word for uh, preach here, I believe, is our herald, the word with authority, or claim, proclaim it. Right. It comes from the idea of uh, when the king was coming, he would send a herald out before him to say, prepare the way of the king. Right. The king is coming. We have uh, our Lord that's coming. Right. And we're proclaiming his name with authority. It doesn't just have to be a teacher. Right. Doesn't have to be people from up here in the way that you're living, in the way that you're studying. You can proclaim the word with authority and authority is not your authority by the base of your voice. Right. It's the authority of Scripture. And so as we're interpreting, uh, we should be doing that. Uh, Also over in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, uh, we'll go back there. But uh, just looking at this idea of uh, the obligation to be a teacher, chapter Chapter 5 and verse 12. And so as you're thinking of communicating the meaning of Scripture, your spiritual condition, uh, condition is going to play into that a lot, right? If you're uh, at a place spiritually where you're not able to receive and understand what Scripture is saying, well, well, how do we understand Scripture? We go over to First Corinthians chapter 2, and it tells us the Holy Spirit compares spiritual things with spiritual And so as we're trying to understand the word of God, it's imperative imperative for us to be spiritual. And that got these Hebrew saints in a little bit of trouble here. (laughs) Verse 11, it says, of whom uh, we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when uh, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Right? And so uh, if we're living this life for ourself and just, uh, you know, satisfied with what pleases ourselves, then uh, sure, you can go along and just live any way you want to. And it's not going to affect you, uh, the spiritual impact that you have on others. But if you're really tuned in to what God desires for you, then you're going to be thinking about how is the way that I'm living, not only affecting and influencing others, but Uh, How is it blocking the messages that God wants me to understand from his word? Right. And that I am not able to teach other people because I'm not in a place spiritually where I'm mature enough to to receive information. And so you see that uh, here as well. Lastly, for this part, we see edification of the saints through the word of God. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. it up at verse 80 says wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men now that that he ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into a unity of the faith and of the knowledge <clears throat> of the son of God unto a perfect man, uh, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so what is the purpose of these spiritual gifts, um, for the edifying of the body, right? We talked about that earlier, even looking at those spiritual gifts that the Corinthian saints were lauding over the others and they're trying to draw attention to themselves. They're not worried about edifying the brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the same can be said about us. And again, I keep saying it, I'm, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but it's you guys too. It's not just the teachers up here that are in the pulpits. Your gift edifies another believer too. And how are you going to know how to use that gift, but to look in scripture and understand how your gift is working in scripture? And so we see that here as well. Um, I think I'm going to leave off there and give us a little bit of time for the next session. but we'll come back. I'm kind of on a good pace here. So we'll come back next week and look at the application. Ah, Now, this is a quick one. Let's just close out here with application and we'll come back next week to the history of hermeneutics. Um, But the application, uh, when we said this in the opening, that hermeneutics can be seen as both an art and a science, I believe it would lean more toward a science than an art because art is suggesting that you have uh, some individual ability that others don't have. Uh, But the definition of an art is skill acquired by experience, uh, study, or observation. Uh, Hermeneutics is considered an art because of learning, uh, study, and experience supplies skill Uh, to be used effectively. And so as you're, uh, sometimes people are gifted, right? Some people are gifted with the gift of pastor teacher and they're going to be able to utilize that, right? And their proper relationship to to God to understand through uh, studying the grammar, studying the syntax and all of that stuff, how to deliver what the word of God is saying. But it's also a science and that the definition of a science is a knowledge or a system of knowledge covering general truths of operation and general laws, especially obtained and tested through. And so hermeneutics is considered a science because, it's, because it is governed by a system of rules. And as you're interpreting Scripture, one of the biggest ones is context, 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 right? You are not going to be able to divorce what you're reading in one section of Scripture from the rest of that chapter, from the rest of that book, and from the rest of Scripture. These are the words of God who has infinite knowledge. Do we think that we're finding something that he didn't account for or that we have some knowledge that that he uh, doesn't have? His his word is laid out in perfect order for how he wanted it to be said. So if we err from that, it's because of us. It's not because of him. And so hopefully uh, we're understanding that as we're reading through. Uh, Next week, we'll come back quickly and look at the history of hermeneutics and how it was studied in these different schools of interpretation. And that gives us, I believe, with history, a better understanding of what you have now. And so understanding that a little bit is very important. And we'll continue to move on through uh, this uh, hermeneutics study.